arm will feel unsafe. Fear has many of the same properties as pain. One of those is that they both put us into a fight or flight mode. This alters our brain chemistry and puts us on high alert. In these moments, it's especially important to return to our breathing so we can return to mindfulness. This will allow your mind to calm down enough to hear the message your fear is sending you in that moment. Another similarity is that they both cause great suffering. The environment we've created here is among the most safe I've ever encountered. Every week we share our deepest darkness with each other. We laugh, we cry, and we listen with compassion so that we can reduce each other's pain. During these moments, we are fully present. The timing of our discussion this morning is particularly good for me personally. Fear is a constant companion of mine these days. I recently learned that I have a serious illness and it's confronted me with my mortality. I'm afraid of dying before I have fulfilled my purpose, the reason for my existence and my service to Hashem. I'm afraid of not being able to relieve any more suffering. <clears throat> I'm afraid of being separated from my wife, Melinda, who's the light of my life. I'm afraid that I haven't done enough good to offset the harm I've caused. And most of all, I fear that when I'm called to account for my life, I'll be found lacking. This morning, we have an elevated neshama to teach us about fear. When we're fully present, we hear with our ears and we listen with our hearts. Let's listen to Rabbi Klein and see what we can learn. Rabbi Klein? Thank you to David and David. <clears throat> Just want to make sure everybody can hear me, first and foremost. So I want to thank, I'll start backwards. I'll start, I'll start with the second David. For sharing that with us, obviously I wish you personally and collectively from all of us a speedy and complete Rufu Shalema in an absolute way. And I want to thank you for that personal sharing, not just about what you personally are going through, but for those of us who aren't so familiar, for those of us who aren't so familiar with what exactly Nafshi is and what you guys are doing, this is a Mashiach group. This is a group of people that are channeling the spirit of Mashiach, that are channeling a spirit of collective openness, of sharing so that cumulative growth can happen, not just from each of you personally, but as a group, as a support system of Mavakshay Emes, of those that are seeking the truth and those that are intent on living life consciously and meaningfully. And so thank you for utilizing your own micro-sharing there just as a little bit of an example as to what you guys do all the time. It's a privilege and an honor to speak to you. I want to thank now the first David, the David on top, David Rachman, for putting this together, making this possible, and for all of his avoda to facilitate all of the programs. You heard a little bit of what's going on. It's remarkable what you guys are doing, what kind of community you have, and I bless you all. Be'ezer Hashem in good health and happiness to go Michael al-Khail from strength to, to strength for long, happy, healthy years. We should only share good news and smachot together, Be'ezer Hashem. So, of course, fear is a prevalent topic. It's always a prevalent topic because humans are naturally fearful. We're very slight creatures in the grand scheme of things and we get afraid of things that are happening in our lives, personally, collectively. But particularly during the time that we're living in, when so much that we've come to trust, when so much that we've come to accept as givens in our lives have faltered, and where the pillars that are holding up our sanity and the sanity of society around us is fading away, we find frequently, more often, more and more and more often, it used to be that people in Eretz Yisrael, in Israel, particularly down south or up north at the extremities of the land, lived in fear oftentimes from year to year. During the intifadas, that was a very intense, fearful experience in our times, not just you know, 70, 80 years ago, obviously, in Europe and throughout 2,000 years of Am Yisrael, journeying throughout their exile and all the different places where they were. <clears throat> but oftentimes, family members, people we knew who were living their lives literally in fear. But now in America, 
It doesn't seem as if there's a safe haven. It doesn't seem, once again, as if there's a place for the Jewish nation in the world where we can feel as if we are protected. And as we're going to learn tonight, it's a choice that we make. Are we left unprotected to the elements? Or are we left unprotected by human beings and that experience of the fear of knowing that there's nothing we can trust in this world, can that perhaps serve as a corridor to the divine to push us into an experience of needing to trust something beyond our mode of comfortability and what we're used to experiencing in the way of something that can hold us up? What's going to happen when we're let go of, and when we feel in our personal lives or our communal lives that all of a sudden we can no longer rely on those barriers, on those walls that we've been relying on for so long, what's beyond those walls? What's out there? And is there something beyond our vision or our perception of what might be out there that we are being charged to to reach out and contact through this experience? So we have a number of sources tonight, particularly from the Hasidic masters, who much like for the rest of Judaism. They had this way of taking ideas that we're all familiar with and reframing them so that they become intensely spiritual experiences. So that Avodas Hashem spills out of the shul where we daven, outside of the base medrash where we learn, outside of the chesed organizations where we're engaged in kamilas chasadim, and spills into every facet and nuance of the human experience, every emotion, every circumstance that we're going through, mundane and lack or anti-spiritual as it may seem, but the Baal Shem Tov reframed all of life in this context of spiritual growth and saw the base Medrash as filling every aspect and every facet of the human experience. So let's begin with the Baal Shem HaKadosh. Let's begin with the Kesar Shem Tov, with the Tzaddik, the founder of Hasidus, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem's Chusyagin this is a foundational teaching that shows up many, many times throughout the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov particularly, but throughout all the teachings of the Hasidic masters. And it's a concept known as Halaas Hamidos, elevating the Midos, elevating the traits. So the Baal Shem Tov begins as follows. Yachshov, he says, a person should think that when he's davening, he's walking from one chamber to the next chamber. Now when we're on this journey through prayer, and when each and every word is carrying us into a new experience, and hopefully we can daven in a circumstance and in a setting that's quiet, that's conducive to prayer, that's conducive to inward reaching, to spiritual growth. As we're on that journey, oftentimes what happens is, oftentimes we experience a distraction. And we feel as if we're being pushed out of that spiritual dvekos, of that experience of tefillah, of the consciousness of knowing that right now in this moment we're engaged in an act of speaking to the master of the world, who by the way is real, and who by the way is present right now in this moment, part of this experience of our learning, binding us together, sparks of whom fill each and every one of us and are now uniting through this experience of Torah learning. What a privilege. But as this is happening and as we're davening, we feel sometimes as if all sorts of extraneous, distracting thoughts of a multifarious nature are sort of pushing us away and preventing us from reaching our goal of dveikos, of connection to God, of true openness, of transparency to our source. Because he says we're being judged. You know why this happens, he says? Because as we're going through this process of spiritual elevation, we're being judged each time we get to a new chamber. Are we ra'ui? Are we fitting? Are we allowed to simply hop right into a brand new spiritual perception, which is how tefillah is supposed to be? So how do we react? How do we respond? When we have all these kinds of distracting thoughts, whether they be thoughts of taiva, desire, physical gratification, or the thoughts of pride, or are they thoughts of fear, which we'll discuss at length now. But a person, he says, should focus. What are these thoughts that are hitting us during this experience of tefillah? If these thoughts are coming from a place of a negative love, 
If a person has a thought of adultery, a person has a very lowly negative thought, a physical gratification in whatever terminal in whatever form that may take. Says the Bashemtov, all of our personal traits, we know this. This is one of the most foundational ideas in Hasidas, are founded within God's traits. And the way in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the master of all, reveals himself to creation, to our world. And that means to say that if we are created B'Tselem Elohim, that we are created in the form of God who is formless, who has no form, so it must be something deeper. If our emotional structure and all of our emotional spiritual capacities are rooted in the divine, that means that when we have a little bit of, a, of, of an emotion that's revealing itself within us, even if it's becoming revealed in a negative space, in a negative way, in a negative fashion, it means to say that if this emotion is rooted in the master of the world, there must be a holy version of this. There must be a way in which we can utilize the activation of this emotion to be able to connect spiritually to something holy that can only be accessed by utilizing this very emotion. So we hear in the mashal that's given in this parable, the Baal Shem Tov says, focus on that feeling. If that feeling is a feeling of, of love, ultimately that comes from a negative love, from a love that breaches a boundary. A person thinks about what he's not supposed to think about, looks in a place that a person shouldn't be looking. Ultimately, says the Baal Shem Kadosh, that love that's awoke within us ultimately comes from the deepest, deepest midah of Hashem, of Ava, that Hashem loves us so deeply and asks only that we love Him in kind. Says the Baal Shem, it's no problem, don't freak out. Use this not as a challenge that should prevent you from walking forward, use it as an opportunity. All of a sudden, a portal opened up. And the portal is called a negative distracting thought from the side of Ava, that now enables me to say, if I'm going to love this very lowly thing, it's going to be fleeting and pointless and leave me feeling empty. And this is not what my life is about. This is not really who I am. Shouldn't I go ahead and utilize this love and this yearning that's been woken up within me for the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for the love of the master of the world? Shouldn't I look past the shell of this negative manifestation of this essentially holy force and find a way to look beyond it to the core, to judge it favorably, to find that it itself has a holy essence and not be fooled by the external, as Chazal tell us, al don't look at the barrel, at the outside, look what's inside of it. And so, so often, all of these negative experiences that we have, whether they're lusts, whether they're fears, as we're going to learn, whether they're feelings of pride or feelings of unhealthy submission, or any of these feelings that we have in relationships, unhealth of whatever form and manifestation, what we need to do and what we're called upon to do in that moment is not to be fooled by its manifestation, but to look beyond it to judge it favorably and even to speak it out verbally. If you're alone, you can speak to the thought, to the feeling that you're having and say, you don't fool me. You're trying to convince me that I'm bad, that I'm lowly, that I'm having all these lusts and desires. But ultimately, I know the truth. That your whole mitzias, your whole nature of the fact that you exist in the first place is only this, that you are drawing from the midah of Avas Hashem. That you're drawing from the emotion that I have within myself solely, only to utilize in a holy framework. Whether that's to love the master of the world, to love our spouse, to love our children. All of these holy, healthy forms of the midah of Ava. When we have an Ava Raha, when we go through a negative experience of Ava, what we're supposed to do in that moment is to utilize that as an opportunity. As the Ma'aranayim, the Magid of Chernobyl tells us, he says in a certain paradoxical way, it's a gift. It's a gift that we sometimes go through negative experiences internally. We get distracted by negative forces. It's a gift. Because the Ma'arinayim says, it is so much easier to utilize a mida, an emotion that's, awake, that's, that's woken up within ourselves for holiness after it's already been activated in a negative sense. Because it's so difficult to come to true ava, to true yearning, a real desire for the absolute, for the infinite one. 
But once we're already feeling that we feel ava for, you know, let's use a, a, you know, a, a little bit less of an intense muscle, but a person feels as if he's really in the mood for a pizza. You know, some people could lust after a pizza, you know, and he just feels like he needs it. So that aspect, that trait has already been woken up within ourselves. It's an opportunity. Stop for a second. Feel, feel, feel that midah. Feel it in all of its expansivity. Don't try to shut it away. Don't try to shut it down. Don't try to distract yourself. No, it's a huge opportunity. Go into it fully and elevate it. Rechannel it. Utilize that experience. Don't run away from the negative thoughts. Hashem sends those too. They're opportunities. And so we hear the Baal Shem HaKadosh is talking about the opportunity of the Midah of Chesed. So what should he do? Says the Baal Shem Yizchare Teketh. He should immediately feel a little bit of charata, a little bit of regret that his mind went to such a place. And he should think in his heart, What am I doing? What am I doing in the moment? Which I know this group is all founded upon, to live in the moment, in the moment. What am I doing? In a very calm way, in a very non-judgmental way, just to literally look at what's going on inside, to be aware of what's happening. What is happening in the moment? I took an aspect of the world of thought as it's embodied in my mind, in my capacity to think. That's the world of thought. And I took that holy capacity that's rooted in the most elevated places in the Tselem Elohim as it manifests in my life and I took it down into a dirty place. So, okay, I need to reach, re, uh, you know, change the trajectory. And I have to come to the place of ayin, nothingness, to bring it back into saying, where does this midah come from? Why do I have emotions in the first place? Only because I am a chilek elokami mal. Only because the master of the world has embodied himself in a certain way within my spirit, and I contain all of the traits that he contains. And when he contains them, he's kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. He's absolutely holy. And that means that I have midos that are rooted in holiness as well. Okay, I made a mistake. I utilized it for something it wasn't meant for. Rechannel, channel it to something else. Bring it to the, to the world of love, to the world of Abbas Hashem. When a person thinks, If I'm feeling these feelings of love for this fleeting thing, a human being, right, or in whatever format, whatever a person is yearning to look at, whether it's on the street, whether it's on a computer, or again, this is just a muscle, if it's lush, whatever I want to speak or think or do in a negative sense, is it really worth it in the ultimate scheme of things? Will I have gained from this action in a week from now, in a month from now? Is this really who I am or what I'm all about? And when we realize that this is veering off the path of the essence of our lives as growth-oriented individuals, this is not going to take me higher. This is not going to take me to a deeper place in my own spiritual growth. So right away a person says, Kama yesh le'el Hashem So how much more so should I utilize this opportunity that the Mida has been woken up within me to say, hey, I'm a loving being, but why was I gifted with the capacity for love? Ah, because I'm supposed to love the master of the world. And because I'm supposed to verbalize as I'm walking down the street and I have a tithe to look to the other side of the street when something else is walking the other direction and I stop and I say, Master of the world, I love you so deeply. With all of that desire that one moment ago I thought was negative, no, 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 that's just the kankan. That's just the barrel. That's just the external. Stop. Look within. Mashiyeshbo. I love you with a deep desire. And in, in whatever form or whatever amount that I thought that I wanted that, how much more so do I want you? And how much more so do I love you? And I'm so grateful for you. And we can utilize this as a doorway to a very deep experience of Avas Hashem that you wouldn't believe that five minutes ago we were in a totally different zone. Right? And in other doctrines or in other approaches to Avodah Hashem, they would tell you, you know, what should you do when you have such a negative thought? Again, try to subdue it, try to distract yourself, try to run in the other direction. By Hasidus, that's not the case. By Hasidus, we view every experience as a potentially holy experience because we view the world as existing in a state of potential holiness, no matter what. That means that any experience that we have is a potentially holy experience, not to run in the other direction, to elevate, to elevate, always to elevate, to find the root, to look deeper beyond the surface, to find what's inside. 
And he gives another few examples. We're going to skip the next two because, again, it's the same thing of Ava. One thing he says, if a person makes a joke, you know, that it's a little bit of a, a negative joke. Certainly at the time of tefillah, a person should think, if I want to laugh over that and be joyous over that, how much more so should I be joyous over the words of tefillah that I'm saying that are eternal? Or any sort of pleasure that a person has to channel that. And here he says, if a person has a thought of pride, all of a sudden he hears people, wow, he's really davening so nicely. Instead of taking that pride in a negative way for our own ego to bring ourselves to the union of Hisparus, instead of Hisparus, that a person should be so filled with pride, how much I'm davening with Kavana? No. Where does this emotion come from? Ah, it comes from the world of God's pride. So bring ourselves to that pride, but in a holy way. It's not me. It's not me. It's only Hashem. All there is is God. And how proud I am to be a Jew. Not because of me. Not because of anything that I did. But because of the way in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has gifted me with this experience of to daven properly and to, and to feel that. To feel that, that sense of holy pride. The Imbalai Eze Yirara, and here we come to our topic for tonight or today. If a person has the experience of a Yirara, of a negative sort of fear, Kagain, and he gives an interesting example because he's speaking about the time of Tfila. So he says, Kagain, Shamisiara, what would a person come into a fearful state while davening? That he's fearful, leating staka shaloyayani. He doesn't want to give tzedakah, that he, you know, to give too much. What, what if he doesn't have? That's also a yira. Okay, it's not as intense as the kind of fears that we've been describing in the beginning of the class, but that's also a kind of fear, a yira, fight or flight. A person similarly should utilize that experience of the fear that he has and channel it to an elevated Yira Kedosha, to a holy, lofty fear, which will, Be'ezer Hashem, translate in a moment in the third source, not as fear, but with another more appropriate word, but we'll get there. Even over here, you're able to see the root of where the Baal Shem is laying the, you know, the foundation to say that Yira doesn't mean to fear God in the same way that we fear a wild animal, right? Or wild animals in human forms, depending on where you live, right? Or, or, or a fearful world order experience of things that are happening that are, you know, that threaten our security in whatever format that may be. He doesn't say that we should utilize that as a Yira from Hashem to be scared, oh, God's going God, God's to smite me or God's going to hit me. But a Busha, me Hashem is a Busha. A feeling of like a holy embarrassment. But we'll speak about more about what that is. So that's the general idea from the Val Shem Tov with regard to Yira. Rabbi Nachman Breslover in the Kutamaran Torah Tesvav expounds on this Nikuda Dafka of Yira Shemayim. We'll go through this piece quickly because we have more to get to, and this piece is a little bit more involved. But Rabbi Nachman says, that a person wants to elevate those fears that he's having. Fears over a personal circumstance, fears over you know, national security, wherever a person may be, fear of health issues, whatever the circumstance is. Says Rabbi Nachman, another very similar idea. How do we elevate? It's all about elevating, not shutting down, but how do we elevate Yira? How do we elevate that experience of fear to turn that into a spiritually meaningful experience as, 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 as opposed to a debilitating circumstance? Rabbi Nachman says we elevate fear through the aspect of mishpat, of justice. So the Pasik says, that the king founds the land on Mishpat. If there's no justice, if there's no law and order, there's not going to be a nation. There's not going to be any sort of people that are entering into a social contract to maintain a society that functions. The Eretz and Mishpat is associated with Eretz because the king is able to run his kingdom with Mishpat. And the kingdom is associated in this passage with Eretz. Melech b'mishpat yamid Eretz. And Eretz, the concept of a land, is associated with fear. Kamashukasav, Eretz Yara. The earth was shaking with fear. What does it mean? That a person wants to elevate that experience of fear in a holy way. How do we do that? With Mishpat. What's Mishpat? To really take a good hard look at our lives. And to start to judge ourselves in the sense of going through our accounts. 
spiritually, to take a look at our lives and to say, where can I improve? And I know that all of us are doing this. This is a self-development personality or other development person, uh, uh, um, not personality, but group that's focused on development. of the Pasik says, that a person should sustain all of the aspects of his lives with go through all of his things, what he's going through. Uba says Rabbi Nachman, when a person will take that experience of mishpat, that's a scary experience. When a person is in a mishpat, when a person's in a court case, when a person's being judged from an external perspective with regard to what's going to happen to a person, which is what fear is, that we feel as if we're not in control anymore. And we feel that we're at the mercy of the whims of others, whether it's nature, whether it's God, that could also be scary sometimes, whether it's other people. If we ourselves will willingly enter that experience in a controlled environment, this will remove from ourselves all fears. And we're going to lift up that internal mida of yira in a way that's sweet, in a way that's clean, in a way that's clear. And he'll be left with nothing other than yira Hashem than fear of God and no other fear. Because a person allows himself to recenter, like we spoke about, not to look at the externality of life, but to really think to oneself, what is life about? Why am I here? What's the ultimate purpose? Because fear and our experience of fear is going to depend specifically on how we answer that question. If we live life in our external, in terms of our own physical existence, even as that physical existence manifests in relationships, in, in, in a house that we built, in a community that we live in, ultimately that's still in the external. And I know this is difficult to hear, it's hard, it's, but, but ultimately fear you know, puts us in a circumstance where we really need to ask the tough questions. What is our life about? But if our life is lived in the internal sense of our inner mission, as part of the Jewish nation, to bring Yerushalayim, to bring Kvot Shemayim, the honor and glory of God, down to the world through our machshavos, through our thoughts, through our diburim, our speech and our actions, and to utilize every moment of life with which we're gifted directly from the master of the world, to turn this world into a little bit of heaven, as much as we can. So then the definition of what is going to make us feel Yira is going to shift. Because if the very essence of my life is rooted in this experience of ultimately of Olam Haba, of knowing that ultimately the essence of my reality and the way in which I exist in the core of my experience is my soul, which is eternal, which nothing can happen to, ultimately in the ultimate sense of the word, certainly not, as part of the Jewish nation, as the Pasuk says, that ultimately all the Jewish nation is going to be purified, no matter who, no matter what their experience was, no matter what that circumstance will be, Ultimately, ultimately, at the ultimate, ultimate extent of when time reaches the very end, we're going to make it. All of us will have made it. We will make it. We're making it. So nothing can happen essentially to the soul. And we define ourselves by the soul. So then when we enter into the experience of mishpat, and when we allow ourselves to sit down and make sure that our spiritual accounts, which relate to the very core of who we are, are in order to the extent possible, and it's always a work in, you know, a work in progress, and we're always, but ultimately it should be a trajectory of growth to try every day to devote some time, to sit down, whether it's in Hispodida's personal prayer, or Hispodida's, our own Musr, you know, going through our different aspects of lives and saying, where can I improve? How can I improve? How can I make things right? And if we're utilizing mishpat in that sense and we're channeling it in a holy way, then what is there to be afraid of physically? Ultimately, the root of our being is use, utilizing and engaging in the mida of yira in a way that is going to assist it in the et eternal sense of its, ex its experience and its existence forever and ever and ever. So then external things ultimately relating to the physicality of my experience ultimately aren't able to shake me. And he brings this from Chazal. It's only when a person doesn't willingly, in, again in a controlled environment, in a healthy way, submit himself to mishpat in his own life or in her own life, then shoftin osolamala. 
then there's going to be mishpat from Shemayim. And then a person is going to be brought into a fearful circumstance. Kim ain din lamata, as the Medrash tells us, when there's no din below, yesh din lamala. Then there's going to be din above. Because sometimes a person needs to be shaken up. When a person is being judged from Shemayim, when they're doing the accounting for us because we're not submitting ourselves to that experience, then it's going to embody itself and become clothed in all different aspects of our lives. Everything is a messenger. To go ahead and to remind this person there's a God in the world. And that ultimately the life in which we're supposed to live is an internal life. Not to become so convinced by our physical appearance that we are physical beings. This is just a car. Like a driver sits in a car and he's the essence and the car is just supposed to take him from one place to the other. So to the body. And obviously it's difficult to separate the two. But the more we do that, the more we enter into the accounting, so the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to need to send us these reminders all the time because we're able to live to the extent possible and that experience of awe, as we're going to learn, that experience of elevated fear, not fear in the sense of worried what Hashem's going to do to us because we're not behaving properly and so on, but the experience works the opposite way. Because of our awareness of God in the most elevated, broad-minded, expansive sort of way to be aware of Him and His reality, that's going to catapult us into going ahead and wanting to elevate our lives and to live our lives properly. So again, we can choose. It's either that we're going to live physicality-oriented lives and need to get scared from external things and give into that fear because we're under the illusion that we're living ultimately physical lives and that a physical threat or a threat to my this-worldly existence is a threat in the ultimate sense of the word. And so, oh, I better make sure that my accountings are in order. I better make sure that I'm remembering God, right? There's no atheist in a foxhole. Or it can work the exact opposite way. By us willingly submitting ourselves to an accounting as, as much as possible and to make use of the life that we have and the life that we're given no matter what our circumstance is to find some way of serving God in that experience no matter how, you know, you know, how able, capable we feel either physically or in our circumstance or our daily schedule but to make that an effort, to make that a focus so that we don't have to fear God but that we should live in the awareness of Him. Like the Baal Shem said, that's busha, to live in the constant awareness, you know, that he exists and that he's real, that he's watching us and that he loves us ultimately, but that he's trying to propel us and compel us to become the best that we possibly can be. And that will go ahead and lead to a natural desire to work on oneself. And when there's din lamata, when there's justice that's happening in our lives below willingly, ain't din lamala. That's going to sweeten all aspects of that fear that was sent down to us in order to bring us into that experience of personal growth. We won't need it anymore. Because we're already there. We're already engaging with the natural human capacity for fear and elevating it constantly, reminding ourselves, what am I scared of? Ultimately, what am I scared of and why am I scared of it? In the ultimate sense of the word, in the big picture kind of thinking, what's the essence of my life? And is this thing that I'm afraid of right now going to threaten the essential aspect of my nature, of my being? or something external that I'm worried about? And can I elevate that? Can I lift that up? Can I turn that into a reminder of the God who's not only around in the sense that he's constantly, you know, we have to cower from him all the time, but we can fall back into his arms because ain't od malvada, because all there is is him, and all there is is his will. And ultimately, all there is in the ultimate sense of the word long beyond this lifetime, and I bless us to live long and happy, at long beyond this lifetime, in 150,000 years from now, it'll still be the same thing, us and God. All of us together and God. That will never change. Can I fall back on that even now? So Rabbi Nachman says that when there's din lamata, when we're channeling that natural feeling of fear, of mishpat, of being judged, and instead of allowing others to judge us and being fearful of their judgments, we naturally submit ourselves to that experience in and of our own volition, that's going to nullify any experience of Shemayim sending down, you know, things that need to propel us, to remind us into fear and, you know, engaging in about us Hashem because we're worried about what's going to happen to us and punishment, all that stuff, it melts away. It melts away because there's no necessity for that anymore. So that's a big skula. That's a very, very important thing. And we're going to learn more about that skula in a little bit. 
But that's Rabbi Nachman. There's more here, but we don't have time to go through the whole piece. But now I want to get into something very, very foundational and important. Like we mentioned, translating Yira as fear is a very, very bad translation. It doesn't do it justice. And I think that so many of us exist in this space of thinking about Yira Shamayim as this negative kind of fear. We never relate to it. We never connect to it. Listen to these words from Professor Abraham Joshua Heschel in his book, God in Search of Man, one of his primary books where he really presents his philosophy. That's ultimately the Balshemto's philosophy written in the clearest, most beautiful philosophical poetic terms as only he could. And he writes the following, awe and fear. According to the Bible, the principal religious virtue is Yira. What is the nature of Yira? The word has two meanings, fear and awe. There is the man who fears the Lord lest he be punished in his body, family, or his possessions. Another man fears the Lord because he is afraid of punishment in the life to come. Both types are considered inferior in the Jewish tradition. Job, Eov, who said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him, was not motivated in his piety by fear, but rather by awe, by the realization of the grandeur of his eternal love. Fear, listen to this, this is so important. Fear is the anticipation and expectation of evil and pain as contrasted with hope, which is the anticipation of good. Awe, on the other hand, is the sense of wonder and humility, busha, inspired by the sublime or felt in the presence of mystery. Fear is a surrender of the sukkahs which reason offers. All of a sudden we can't understand things. We don't feel in control. Awe is the acquisition of insights which the world holds in store for us. In a moment where I can either choose to enter into fear or awe is choosing between letting go of reason or gaining incredible insight into what it is to be a human being. Awe, unlike fear, does not make us shrink from the awe-inspiring object, but on the contrary, draws us near to it. When we're fearful of something, we want to run in the other direction. Nobody stood in front of the Niagara Falls, felt awe, and ran, ran down the path so he wouldn't have to look at it anymore. We couldn't get enough of it. We stood in front of it. We allowed that experience to overwhelm us if we'd had that blessing to stand there or by any of the natural wonders or not to need to go to a natural wonder, but to look our love in the, in the eyes or to look another human being in the face and to look at the awe and wonder that is a human being or any creature, any creation. We don't want to run away. We don't want to move. And we're not letting go of our reason and feeling not in control. But in that feeling of being not in control, when we stand in front of something as awesome and magnanimous as the, as the, and massive as the Niagara Falls, we feel as if we're gaining insight. We're gaining control by surrendering the illusion of our control to say there is something bigger than me. And the insight gained in that moment is exact contradiction or is, or is standing in contradistinction with what we do when we're fearful where we lose our head, right? Because we feel not in control, we let go of all insight. We want to run away from that thing that's scaring us, but awe is the exact opposite. And the exact same circumstance can either be a, 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 a catalyst for either fear or awe, depending on how we choose to engage with it. In a sense, he's, or th and he, he closes this paragraph, this is why awe is compatible with both love and joy. And it brings sources where we find Yira in Psukim and verses in the Torah connected to love and joy. It is not a fear that we're fearful of God like we're fearful of a lion. But it's Yira that's, that leads to Busha, that leads to a, an intense awareness of God and how real he is and the insight that we gain in so doing. The humility, the Busha, the insight of what life is really all about. And am I really in control? And is there something else in control? Not that there's nothing else in control, but that God is in control and that he's holding me. In a sense, he says, awe is the antithesis of fear. To feel the Lord is my light and salvation, Hashem oyri is to feel, what's the next two, two words? Loi ira, or whom shall I fear? Mimi ira. God is my refuge and my strength, 
a very present help in trouble, another passing until him. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth do change, and though the mountains be moved into the hearts of the seas. We will not fear. God is my refuge and my strength. Hashem Uzi Umagini, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with me all the time. This is the Baal Shem Tov's aspect of Halla'as Hamidos, to have a fearful experience, to stand not knowing what tomorrow will bring. But instead of wanting to run from that, to stop, to focus on what we're feeling and to channel it into awe, to know that beyond whatever it is that we're afraid of, whatever that shadow is, there is a shadow beyond the shadow. And the shadow beyond the shadow is not dark. The shadow beyond the shadow is the infinite light of the master of the world who subsumes all of the fear, all of what we're afraid of into him, that he's running the show. And we're able to stand there in the moment fighting the urge to run away. Obviously, if we need to actually run away from something, run away from something, right? <laughs> but fighting the urge to run away from a fearful circumstance or a dangerous situation that ultimately we need to do and that we know we need to do it. And we're holding ourselves back. We're afraid of public speaking or whatever the nakuda is of what we're afraid of, knowing that not to run away from it, to stand there, not to surrender insight, but to attain insight specifically from that experience of fear, which should be channeled into awe, to remind ourselves that there exists something beyond, something beyond what it is that I'm personally being afraid of in this moment. There exists something beyond that. And Rav Kook delves into this, Rav Kook in the Midas Haraya. Rav Kook says, "Hamusak shall yiras Hashem, who moisif oizu gvura benefesha adam, hamivino sabatarasa." So often we think of yiras shemaim as a debilitating force. We want to walk around, and we're afraid to look, and we're afraid to do, and we're afraid to think, and we just, you know, we're so afraid of what's going to happen to me if, if, you know, if I step one line out. Says Rav Kook, "That's not yiras shemaim. That's not what yiras is supposed to do. On the contrary." Yura Shamayim adds O's, adds strength, confidence, gvura, ferocity, a tremendous courage in the heart of a person who understands it in its purity, in its pure form. He fills a person's life with content, with incredibly lofty ideals, with the feeling and capacity that I can do anything, not because I myself am uninhibited and limitless, but because I know that I'm so limited and that limited aspect of my experience of fear has brought me to the awareness that there exists a being beyond all of what I think I'm afraid of that I'm supposed to channel back into the busha, back into the awareness of the infinite force that, ex that fills all, that HaKadosh Baruch who fills me with strength so that I'm limitless not because of me, but because of the godliness that I contain within myself that I am constantly aware of. And when I, when I encounter a, a fearful circumstance and a dangerous situation, I stop and I say, okay, I'm feeling fear. My heart is beating, fire flight mechanism. I want to run away. Feel that and lift that up into the experience of understanding, like the Baal Shem Tov taught us, what is it that we're afraid of? What is life about? It's a corridor into the deepest question of my experience. Who am I that I am being afraid? Is it the body part of me? Is it the soul part of me? Is this scary experience, is the fact that the world is falling apart, is that a threat to my body or a threat to my soul? And if it's a threat to my soul, I'm able to utilize that as a corridor out, to realize that in the same way that I have a body and a soul, the world has a body and a soul. And the soul of the world is God. And every single particle of physicality, no matter what we're going through, no matter what circumstance, every aspect of this worldliness that we experience as reality is pulsating with the, with the presence of the master of the world. And that the more we live in awareness of that, that ultimately we have the Torah and that ultimately we are God's nation and that ultimately we contain a chilek of Him within ourselves, that fills our life with tremendous courage. I can do anything, anything. I can overcome any circumstance. I can live through the most treacherous, tragic, painful times and walk with a head held high because I understand that there's a reality beyond the reality that my eyes see. And that kind of Yerushalayim fills the heart with gvura, with confidence, with strength. Will we always succeed? Maybe not. Will things always turn out for the best? Maybe not in the way that we perceive the best. May not. 
come, you know, the, the circumstance may not always end up exactly the way that we hoped it would. But when we know that ultimately we're here to channel God down into the world, we ultimately understand what it is that we're ultimately here for. We're able to reach beyond that experience to say that in the end, in the end, in the end, in the end, however difficult and you know, painful it may be to get to the end, but in the end, all's well, that ends well, that ends well, and, and, and it ends well. It will end well. It ultimately ends well. And in the moment, we're able, through our awareness and utilizing the experience of fear as a corridor toward Yerushalayim, of awareness, of awe, of wonder, we're able to transform the circumstance even as we're living through it. Our lives become filled with spirituality. And that we don't want to, want to run away from life. We want to engage in it. The difference between fear and awe. We don't want to run away from the things that we're afraid of. We want to stand there and utilize the experience of fear as a gift, as an opportunity for spiritual engagement. That fill our lives with incredibly lofty flames of, of holiness. Amnam Lipsayim, he says, it's only to those that don't understand. So Yerushalayim becomes this thing that makes us depressed, that makes us confused, that makes us frightened, that makes us scared. That fill our lives with years, with despair, with with a feeling that I lack the ability to do what I'm supposed to do, what I can do. It says, this is not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu intends for us to live in Yerushalayim. He wants that our fear of Him, awe of Him, awareness of Him should fill us with strength, that we can fall back on Him. And that any time that we have a midah of Yerushalayim within ourselves, good, channel it toward the Yerushalayim of realizing this thing is not worth being afraid of because it doesn't relate to the essence of me. It relates to the externality of the world. It relates to the externality of me. But there's a panemius to me. There's an essence to me. And there's an essence to the world. And if I can re-identify or recenter my identity in my essence, thereby refocusing the way in which I see the world to the essence of the world, to find God beyond it, then I can translate my fear, which is body to physical world, into awe, which is the relationship between my essence and the essence of the world, which is God. To be aware of Him all around me. And like Rabbi Nachman taught us, in yesh din lamata, the more we're aware of God and the more we are subjecting and submitting ourselves to daily din, to daily mishpah, to assess our lives, to say, how can I help? I'm sorry, how can I improve? How can I walk and further climb the ladder of spiritual and, 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 uh, and emotional growth in whatever way that I can? The more we're doing that, in din lamata the more we're going to sweeten any need for a catalyst to be sent down to jerk us into the you know into motion and to and to sort of scare us into doing what we're supposed to do so it ultimately begins with our hasaga with our awareness with our utilization of the natural emotion for fear to be able to channel into something much holier so that ultimately it will be mevatel. It will nullify all of the din that's sent from above and enable us to literally live within a circumstance and experience that is not fearful, not even on the surface, but that calms things down. Rav Kook says, ultimately, it's a difficult word. When a person engages in Yerushalayim, certainly when a whole swath of people engage in it to make it look as if we're very weak and if we're always doubting ourselves and if we're always sad and it's, not, and it's bringing us from fear that we want to run away from God, Yerushalayim, as opposed to the awe that draws us closer to Him, that gives us insight in the moment of realizing how little we are in the grand scheme of things and how big God is, but not in this awful, awesome way, but in a way of realizing, well, guess what? We contain that infinite within ourselves as well. Like one famous Israeli singer, Hanan Ben-Ari sings. He says, Ani hakol, I am everything. Ani lo klum, but I'm nothing. Or ein sof, infinite light, lavush baguf. 
enclosed within a body. The more that we can get the interplay between those things, ani akol, ani loklum. I am nothing because I am everything. I am everything because I am nothing. The more that we are aware of how infinite God is and about how he is running the world in such a way and he is real and exists, the more I realize I'm not anything. Ah, but if I'm not anything, then I am filled with his infinite power. I'm filled with confidence, with strength. And he says if we're going to engage in Yerushalayim in the very lowly, constricted way in which sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that's what it means to fear God, ultimately the youth that are filled with so much strength, they're going to run away. They're not interested because they want to experience a life of osher, of, of real life, of courage, of gvura, of confidence. They don't want to be turned into old men while they're young. That's not an attractive Yerushalayim. That's not what Yerushalayim is supposed to do. The Jewish nation is a nation of warriors, not necessarily with weapons, but inside in our spirit with regard to the message that we're supposed to bring to the world, each and every one of us. We're supposed to change things. We can change things. We're supposed to influence our circumstances, not to leave it up to God, say, oh, you know, God will take care of it. No, no, no. God is within us and he charges us, supercharges us with the ability to make a real impact, to really change things. He says the youth is not interested in living a life you know, of, of fear and of terror, but they want to live a life of tzedek, of strength, of justice. Yerushalayim is supposed to bring us to tremendous confidence, tremendous inner strength, because it's awe, it's not fear. Fear makes us want to run away. If our fear of God is in the way of fear, Yerushalayim means fear to us, it means that we're going to constantly be running away from God and that our, our, our engagement in Torah and Avodah can't be so deep. Can't be so deep if it's just Yira as fear. But if it's Yira of awe, like the Baal Shem Tev told us, if it becomes Busha, it's something else. It's something else. It's not that I'm engaging in Torah and trying to live a Torah halachic lifestyle because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me if I don't. But it's because I'm so overwhelmed by what God is and by what the Torah is. I find myself drawn in deeper and deeper. Like standing by the Niagara Falls, I find that I can't pull away. It's just too deep. It's just too massive. It's too wonderful. And not only does it surround me, and not only does it surround all the things that I might be afraid of, it fills me. I'm a part of that Niagara Falls. I contain that Niagara Falls within me. And I have the strength to overcome the world, to fill it with water. Let's go with that metaphor. Like the Pusik says, Umala arts deya, ladas is Hashem makamayim liyamachasim. That ultimately it's you and I who are, who are going to enable the world to become filled with the water of knowledge of God like water covers the sea. It's you and I who are going to allow the menorah of our face, of our, of our, of our, senses to become open channels pouring forth God consciousness to the world. Each of us, not necessarily in the Torah that we teach if that's not our thing, but through our behaviors, through our actions, through our self-control, through our engaging and trying to align our lives with the Torah, to be light workers, all uniting as one, not just with our generation, but with the generations of all the Jews from the beginning of time until the end of time until Mashiach comes. This national mission to bring God into the world. Yerushalayim fills us with gevura, with o's, with strength, we become drawn further toward it instead of feeling like we want to run away. And the more that we become battle, the more that we become nullified to that ultimate meaning of why I am living, of what my life is all about at the deepest essence, the more we're going, like Rabbi Nachman said, we're going to want to engage in self-introspection. We're going to want to engage in trying to go ahead and make sure that we're living life as meaningfully and as purposefully as possible. And when we do that, said Rabbi Nachman, in yesh din lama if we're experiencing mishpat judge, judgment below, that's going to nullify the judgment above. And with this we'll close. The Nefesh HaChaim says very famously, If there's one thing that you take away from this year, it's this piece. It's a tremendous skula. It's been tested and tried and proven in many, many circumstances. Again, there can never be a general ironclad rule. There's exceptions to every rule, right? There, there can't be such a thing that it will always work. Hashem has his plan, but it's a school and it works. 
to nullify from among oneself, may Allah call hadinim, any judgments, any negative circumstances, any fearful situation that a person finds himself in. That a person can go ahead and to do something, what is this? We'll see in a moment. That a person can actually change the fearful circumstances. A person's flying in the, in the, in the air, a thousand, thousands of feet up in the sky and there's incredible turbulence and a person's freaking out. There's a skula that can actually help things calm down. Kisha Adam Kovea Belibo. If a person will embed deep within his heart and say to himself, Halloy Hashem Hu Elokim Ha'amiti. Any Elokim which is which is Gematria Hateva, all of nature, any circumstance that we're experiencing physically, it's God. It's just a external covering for the godliness within it. The Ain Od Milvada Yizbarachim Koyach Ba'oilam. There is nothing but him, absolutely nothing, nothing, not one particle of existence. It's an illusion. It's a dimyon. We have to live within that. That becomes our reality, but deeper. There's nothing, nothing, nothing aside from God. All there is is Him. There is no airplane. There is no sky. There is no earth that I can slam into. There is nothing. All there is is the infinite light of God. And it's uh, an illusion to think that there's a symptom, a constriction, which we spoke about the last time we sat together. And we think there's a world, but all there is is God. And literally to nullify the circumstance, to nullify ourselves, our emotions, what we're going through, there's nothing. Just God, just God. My consciousness is a spark of the all, of Ein Sof. Nothing else exists. Not to pay any heed or attention to a dangerous circumstance. And of course, like I reiterate, a person needs to try to stay away from dangerous situations as much as we can. But life happens to us, right? Against our control, against our trying our best to go and enter this experience. Nothing but God, nothing but God, nothing but God. And he subjugates, and binds. To bind one's mind to the infinite in light of whom this world is nothing, with all of its terrors, is nothing. Once we do that and we remind ourselves this thing is an illusion, it doesn't exist, it's not real. Even my physical body, that this thing can harm, itself is not real. I live out of my soul. I am the soul. That's who I am deep down inside. So HaKadosh Baruch will actually cause that to manifest where the dangerous circumstance will abate and things will calm down. When we remind ourselves of that all the time, ain od milvado, ain od milvado. As we walk through life in a dangerous situation, this world is a very narrow bridge, Rabbi Nachman told us. What's the main thing? Don't be fearful. Walk this narrow bridge by reminding oneself the narrow bridge is an illusion. The bridge is an illusion. It's all fake. It's all just for show. God is behind it. To remind ourselves of that, that's going to actually enable the physical circumstance that's scaring us to stop in and of itself. Nothing will be able to touch you. And there are stories of the tzaddikim and the Holocaust as they needed to pass through border controls without visas and they just thought to themselves the Nazis don't exist. This world doesn't exist. There's no Nazis. There's no Germany. There's no Holocaust. And they saw miracles. Does that mean that it worked for every single person? I'm sure there were people walking to the gas chambers who also thought Enod Mavado and it didn't work out for them. Okay, Hashem has his plan, right? But it's good to be armed. It's good to be armed. And this is a very, very important tool. And we'll end with this, just two more minutes. Apologize for going a little bit over time. I just want to read two psukim and tehillim and with this we'll end. Dabra Melech says, in Tachana alai machana. If in, in, if, if an army shall encamp around me, lo yira libi, my heart will not be fearful. If a war springs up upon me, I am confident in one thing. What's the one thing that David is so confident in that's going to protect him from the fearful experience of war? There's only one thing that I request of God. Let, I, let myself sit and let me sit in the house of God all the days of my life. To see the sweetness of God. And to 
visit his chamber, his Beis HaMikdash. Now everybody ask the question, if you're sitting in the house of God all the days of your life, why do you need to visit the chamber? You're already there. What is, I should sit in the house of God all the days of my life, and to visit from time to time his house. But you just say you're sitting in his house all the time. So here's the deep thing, Chevra. The deep thing is that David HaMelech understood, and with this will end, David understood that an experience of fear was meant to be a corridor to the divine, to move out of fear, not just into fear of God, but into awe of God, busha, to re-identify myself as a spiritual being, to separate the spiritual from the physical, both in terms of who I am and in terms of the nature of the thing that I'm afraid of, to realize that ain od mavado, to have din lamata, so that there should be no din lamala. So David says, if I'm living in an experience of this kind of elevating this yira, then no matter where I go, physically, no matter what circumstance I'm engaged with, I am shifty beves Hashem kol Because I see this world as being the house of God. Because I see each and every facet of the human experience as being a courtyard of the divine. I can go nowhere where God is not. I cannot hide from Him. I cannot go to the heavens where He is. I, can, I cannot go down to, the, down to the depth of the earth. I can't get away from Him. God is. God is. The whole world is a base Hashem. That's David HaMelech elevating the, the, the experience of fear. Because I realize that this experience of fear is bringing me into the awesome, awesome understanding that all I am is a piece of God. Or in self, infinite light, lavush paguv. All I am is God. All there is is God. Then David HaMelech says, also physically, I'd like to visit the Beis HaMikdash. That's physically. But spiritually, David was able to channel this fearful experience into the awesome awareness of God. An awe that doesn't draw us away from the thing that we want to run from the thing we're fearful of, but on the contrary, draws us toward it. Draws us into this submission. Draws us into the awareness that all there is is God. And not so that I should become subjugated and small and to lose my confidence, but on the contrary. The confidence that I have moves from self-confidence with lowercase s and c into self-confidence with an uppercase S and an uppercase C rooted in the confidence of the master of the world who is all. And by doing this and by trying our best by trying our best to go ahead and to enter willingly into this experience no matter what we're going through no matter how much fear we feel no matter what experience we're going through circumstantially in the world at large everything going on to stop and realize this is a chance. This is an opportunity. This is a doorway. This itself is a corridor that I can actively use consciously to step into it, to move me out of the fear of this thing, not even into the fear of God, but into the awesome awareness of Hoya Hovaviyah that like Rabbi Nachman told us, in Din Lamata, we're gonna wanna we're gonna we're going to want to work on our self-development that will negate the necessity for heaven to scare us into these things. And like the Baal, and like the Nefshachayim told us. If we genuinely believe that there is nothing but Him, genuinely, and we can live with that understanding and awareness, ultimately, Hashem is going to remove from ourselves all of those negative experiences because we've sort of seen beyond the facade and we see beyond the illusion and we're able to judge them favorably for what they are. They're just indicators pointing us back to God, just indicators pointing us back to Yerushalayim in the sense of Yira as busha, as awareness, as awe. And so I bless us all, but Israel Hashem, we should never know from any negative, fearful circumstances. We should feel secure. We should live with security, not just spiritually speaking, but physically. Wherever we live, I bless you all to come to Eretz Yisrael. And then Eretz Yisrael, where I'm sitting now in the holy city, Yerushalayim, we should experience here complete sheket, quiet, peace. And, and, you know, and the world should really get together and realize the futility of war and human beings fighting human beings, but to really join together to do something amazing, but Israel Hashem. 
But ultimately, no matter what we go through, we should be able to enter into that experience, to have that tool in our holster, that gun, ain't od movado, ain't od movado. There's nothing but him, nothing but him. To try to take time every day and to grow, which is what I know this group is ultimately focused upon. To, to look at our lives, make a din lamata. Say, okay, what can I develop? How can I, how can I live a little bit more in, in tune and aligned with my awareness of God so that ultimately we should never have to experience anything like that. And we should experience all the refuah shalema, whoever needs one. We should only know security, health, happiness for long and happy years together. Together, not just over Zoom, together in person here in Yerushalayim. Thank you all for joining with me and for learning with me. What a privilege. Thank you so, so much. Yashar Okay. Thank you so much, Rabbi Klein. It's, uh, it's interesting. Many of us are in a chutzlar. It's in America. And uh, we're usually very distracted. So to see all the faces locked on the screen, and I'll say that that was my experience when I read the rabbi's first book, Sparks from Verdichov, was my soul actually set on fire. And uh, we really, really appreciate your teachings. I'll just share as a follow-up item um, that uh, the Honigsfelds, the Holy Rebetzin and Rabbi, they are starting to, to teach some of the rabbi's teachings from the Lost Princess Initiative. Rebetzin and Honigsfeld is doing a class. So be in touch if anybody would like Absolutely. to Absolutely. And I'll say what's, what's funny, Rabbi Klein, is they had Rabbi Moshe Weinberger at their wedding. Wow. So it's, coming full, it's coming full circle now. So Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, but thank you so much for everything. I see Rabbi Mike is on the call. If he has some final words, we'll, we'll finish with him. We also thank David Gurevich for all of his beautiful words and introduction at the beginning as well. Yes, go ahead. Thank you, Rabbi Klein, so much for sharing this Torah with our Nafshi community. May we all follow in your holy footsteps and try to be Makadi Shem Shemayim to spread God's light in the world. David Gurevich, Abba David, as we as we say, we're all thinking of you. During your time of adversity, I was thinking of you during Rabbi Klein's words about anything that we can overcome with the help of Hashem and the help of us being together, that we are with you along with your spiritual path and we're sending love to you. That's right. That's right. All of us together. The main thing is, again, courage. 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 The courage comes from knowing that God is within us. All of us, each and every one of us on the screen, no matter what we're going through, we have it in us. Ani hakol. I am everything. Because ani lo klum. Because it's not me. And if we go in with that, and we go in with that experience to know there is nothing we can't do, Hevra, we have to change the world. There's no way about it. There's no two ways about it. There's no other option. The world is waiting for us. The world is waiting for us. So let's leave all of those yiras and pchadim on the, on the doorstep. Utilize every moment of life. We should all live long. It is Hashem 120 with passion, energy to do something incredible. together. Thank you so, so much. Thank you again for David for setting this whole thing up. I really appreciate it. Zev, it's so good to see you also. Zev, so good to see you. Please, God, we'll do it again soon. Take Looking care, forward. everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Great. Have a great week. Have a great, great week. Good health. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much.